Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Classic Series Redrive. Check them up. Let's get started. All right, welcome into the Classic Series Redrive. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mark Costeller here in Burlington, Michigan. Uh, nice sunny day, and Kyle Forsythe in Manan, Idaho. Uh, how are things in Idaho, Kyle? Not too bad. It's a little windy here today, uh, but 55 degrees and the sun's out, so guy can't complain about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also joining us, of course, is Logan Reinhold in the Reinhold Tech and Western Wear Studios, uh, making us all look and sound, not look, but sound better. And also <laughs> joining us today is the board of director, uh, a director on the board, I should say. Tim Myers is joining us to discuss a proposal he had put to get put together that kind of got derailed at the annual meeting um, about a few things, and it kind of just went haywire there, and we never did really fully discuss it. So uh, thanks for coming on, Tim, and kind of explain to this. This is going to get sent out to the membership for a vote. Um, we just thought we'd get Tim on here to educate the membership and us about it a little bit more, and uh, good to have you, Tim, and let's dive right into it. Well, thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, so uh, this was brought, a couple of these uh, issues were brought to my attention um, this past year when when we had an issue with a, a, a couple hitches that uh, were disqualified because they, they didn't have their membership paid in time. Um, and then there was also, there's been continuous conversations about um, the the differences in the uh the membership year versus you know, for your dues versus the points year so uh, for example right now um if you're showing if you if you've shown anything uh since labor day till now or till the end of this year you're, you're technically showing under last year's membership um and getting that aligned uh with with each other so under the the current uh bylaws um the annual fees and dues uh were were due january 1st of each year and if not paid by march 31st of that of that year you were not permitted to participate in the classic series finals uh which and that also included the classic cart finals um and the dues again were due uh, January first till December thirty first of the of that same year. Um, so this proposal, uh, the, the changes will strike out the Classic Series Finals disqualifying rule based on a late payment. Um, the new rule does allow for a late fee to be applied if you don't pay. You know when the dues are due. It also changes the memberships calendar uh, to coincide with the points calendar that way um, there's not a question of which year you're paying for which shows you pay you paid for what you know that kind of thing um, so the the dues would be due the first tuesday after labor day and would run until labor day of that of that uh, points year that, that would coincide with the points as well so that's basically the, the two changes. Um, there's some special provisions put into it because of the differences in calendars today versus if this passes with the 
calendars would look like uh, moving forward. Um, if you if you pay your dues for 24 by December 31st, then you all your points that, that you have accumulated from uh, Labor Day until the end of the year will count for the 24 uh, point show season. Uh, that's a one-time thing uh, that that we put in place. Let me let me read that. I'll, I'll just read that special provision. Due to the difference in membership due date of previous years, for 23-24 calendar year only, all, for any member exhibiting in a, a classic series class between and inclusive of September 5th, 2023, and December 31st of 23, shall have their earned points as uh, Classic Series qualified points only if their membership dues are paid in full by January 1st of 2024. So, yeah. So basically, yeah, like Tim, like you said, it's just a one-time deal because of the points calendar year now and what the proposed calendar year shall be the first Tuesday after Labor Day to Labor Day. So, yeah, like Correct. like Tim said, to clear that up, that, that would just be a one-time deal for twenty three the 23-24 calendar year. Correct. Yep. Um, and, and if this if this passes, then then moving forward, the dues are due Tuesday after Labor Day, and if you don't pay number or December thirty first or January first, then it, the the dues would be double. Also, though you're not you're not eligible to show in a class, and that's been a rule for quite some time. Uh, if your membership is not paid. Yep. Your points would not count. Yep. So, and this is just throwing that out there. Uh, the busiest time of of the show season is usually kind of in that August, uh, early September, you know, through the end of middle of October or whatever. That's kind of the hot, hot part of our show seasons. Um, will there be like a reminder email, an automatic email sent to everybody that doesn't have their memberships paid or just to kind of remind everybody? We That's something we did discuss, yes. Um, there will be, like I said, like you said, reminder email sent out to everybody to um, remind, be, because like like you said, Kyle, that's everybody's busy time of the year. And uh, and the secretary's busy, you know, kind of busy time of the year as well. Uh, so, yeah, but there would be reminder email reminders sent out. Basically, this is eliminating uh, what Tim put together here. So there, you know, wouldn't be any disqualifications from the finals that 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 part of the bylaw would be totally taken out by aligning the points year with a calendar year. So that would eliminate that. And it's basically. And, uh you're just penalizing people if they pay late they can still get in they can still qualify for the finals but it's just a matter of paying an extra fifty dollars for their membership right yeah that's what it that's what it amounts to yeah so that, and and the extra fifty dollars or the double your membership that's anytime after january 1st yes let's say you're done showing um, on a Labor Day, let's say Britt 
is your last show of the year. And you're not going to show again until the following June. And so a lot of people, you know, don't pay their membership until just before they go to the first show. Well, if you're going to wait until, if you're going to wait until June of that year to go pay your membership, it's going to cost you a hundred bucks instead of 50 bucks. Know what I mean? That makes sense. So it's, it's basically uh, a lot of it is to do with helping Brenda, our secretary out. Um, So she's not, you know, always running after people and, and all these shows, a lot of the times these first shows, you know, they, they have to keep uh, payment out of, uh, premium checks to to give to the classic fifty bucks to the classic series so they can count the points and stuff like that. It's hopefully to eliminate some of that stuff. I don't know that it will, but that's the that's the goal in mind for that is to have everybody paid up before the first show of the year. Well, the simple solution to some of it too is paying your five year membership for the two hundred dollars, and then you don't have to worry about it until five years down the road. Right. Imagine driving from one of the smoothest riding carriages on the market while training for your upcoming driving season. Now, let Twisted Luck Carriages help you with a smooth transition. With our new and used and consigned carriages, containers direct to the U.S. and Canada, and a rapidly growing parts department available on our online store, we are your one-stop shop for all your carriage needs. Twisted Luck is excited to announce that for the holiday season, we will be offering some great discounts. For more information and to check out our online store, visit twistedluck.com. Now is the time to design your new carriage. Call Rex Mann at 405-326-5623 or visit our website at twistedluck.com. Twisted Luck Carriages, where if you can dream it, we can build it. The important part in this is that you, with the disqualifying rule has been taken out. Yeah, that has been taken out. And there's just always seem, just seems to be a lot of confusion on the points year and the membership year. You know, they don't align and it just seems like it's a lot of confusion, but uh, hopefully this will kind of sort things out a little bit. Right. And I, I did I just want to mention that, you know, it it the proposal has gotten derailed, you know, because there was a lot of a lot of other subjects have, that have been brought up that are of concern to the members and and not that they're being dismissed. I think it's important to know that we we want to look at all these things um, and kind of clean up some of the language, clean up some areas that that might be confusing. Um, I think that often uh, a rule was put in place because of an incident that happened and it fixed that incident, but sometimes it, it, it doesn't, it, it may have hurt other areas or it doesn't gel with another area. And so I think there's a lot of things that we need to look through and clean up. There's, there's the show pass. There's all kinds of things in there that I think need to be, you know, just tidied up and made more clear. I know the membership has mentioned often that, you know, it's, it's not clear. And, and also people do try to uh, understand it in the way they want to perceive it. But, 
you know, we want to make sure it's as clear as possible. Yeah, yeah, sure, it, yeah. It, it's really not a super complicated set of bylaws. It's only, I think, eight or nine pages. But there is a lot in that eight or nine pages. And, and it's like you say, there's so much of it that's open to perception. And and that's where things get a little bit complicated. Right. Right. Because so, somebody can perceive it one way and somebody else perceives it another way. And, and then who's got to make the decision on which is the right way? Yeah, for sure. The other change, uh, just, just looking at it, is... Um, an issue that's came up a little bit in the past with the spotted drafts. Is that correct? We have yeah, a couple, um, couple, three members that show six or hitch of spotted drafts and, and what, where to put them as far as. Yeah. Yeah. Brief. We discussed this and instead of making this a board decision, we just thought we'd send it out to the membership and let the members decide. Um, the, um, the hitch, the spotted drive hitch out West um, there with the Percherons and the spotted, Giraffes out east. Uh, they're they're in the Clydesdale division. Um, the history of 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 the spotted draft is really you know crossing them with perch runs and and uh, some standard breads, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, so yeah, we just thought we'd send that out to the membership and let the membership decide, and that way us as a board doesn't have to make that decision and you know somebody get upset about it. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't think it's probably, you know, it, it's not an earth-shattering thing. I mean, you're not going to have a specific uh, breed classification. I know the Shires are put with the Clydesdales, and that's just basically a numbers thing. And and from a breed characteristic standpoint, they're probably the closest. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it's a matter of just finding a good spot for them. And I think they're happy just to participate. Yeah, the the Shires and the Clydes would be, you know, considered a feathered breed, um, but they but they're not crossbred with other e- either breed is t- is typically not crossbred with another another breed. Right. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where the issue falls a little bit because they are still considered a draft breed, correct? Right. Yeah, they're called spotted draft horses. Yeah, they are a draft breed. Yep. So you don't want to disqualify them from our organization. And I think it is, it's good to have membership and people that want to be a part of it. Um, but at the same time, maybe I'll put together a six of Frisians and see if I can kick everybody's ass. <laughs> uh, that's, not a, that's not a draft horse though. Frisians <laughs> not a draft breed? No. no. You'd have to go with a Bay brand or a suffix. <laughs> Good luck with yeah, that. <laughs> no offense to the Suffolk and Brabants out there, but from an athletic standpoint, I'm sure it would be a challenge. <laughs> uh, shoot. Uh, speaking of Clyde Shires and and the um, spotted drafts, uh, just about which um, points they should be aligned to. Uh, just like to make mention also of. Uh, the last episode, we were talking about the three uh, national champion mares that made it to the finals in the halter division of the Belgian Pertrin and Clyde. And we failed to mention also that the national champion Shire mare also was ex- exhibited at the finals as well. And us as a board and as a membership, you know, obviously we want to include everybody and we'd like to see the Shire 
division grow, not only in Halter, but in hopefully some hitches as well. So I just wanted to, to make mention of the Shire mare that was exhibited at the finals, uh, was the national champion mare as well, along with the Belgian Pertrin and Clyde mare. Absolutely. So yeah, those are two um, two proposals that are going to be get sent out here this week. And uh, of course, if you have any questions, just contact Brenda or any of the board members. I was going to say, way to throw Brenda under the bus, Mark. If you have any questions, contact a board member first and then contact Brenda <laughs> if they don't answer. <laughs> Correct. They, well, can contact, yeah. they can contact us as board members. Yeah. No, absolutely. Another thing to keep an eye on in your email, uh, you should have received it by now, is the nominations are now going to be open for the finals judges. So make sure you get uh, your nominations sent in for that. So that's a little different than in the past. Uh, the past, they used to kind of always be kind of in the winter, springtime. But kind of the reason for that, Mark, was the change you made a year or two ago, correct? Yeah, last year was the first year it was sent out at this time uh, because of the changes we had made regarding judge stipulations on what, what they can judge during the summer and then the springtime um, regarding their qualification to judge the finals. So. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's sent out now, already now. And so when that closes, we'll go through the nominations, uh, make sure the nominees are willing to do it. And if they are, then we'll send it right back out uh, for a quick vote. So that way the ju- uh, the shows in the summer can start contacting judges and we don't interfere with that. That's the, the reason behind that. Other than that, um, I think that's about it. We got a few upcoming shows here uh, this week. We have, um, of course, the Royal up in Toronto. That's that's happening, and then also we have uh, the North American International Livestock Expo uh, the the weekend as well here. And then it's going to be a little bit of a break until middle of January when Loveland and Denver roll around. Uh, Tim, you got anything else that you um, need to discuss, or are we we about no, good? I think I'm good. Again, if if any member has any questions or concerns, you know, make sure they get a hold of us so we can try to to do our best to address it. Yeah, very good. Well, on this episode, um, another thing, just a quick note is make sure you support uh, support our advertisers as much as possible that advertise here on the Redrive. Um, they support in this, you know, they make make sure this thing can happen. So make sure you support them uh, as well. And um, don't be afraid to drop by a mailbag question as well. We'll we're going to be get getting to some of them this winter again. Maybe we'll have somebody in studio one day, and we can have people help us out with that. But uh, we got some to answer, and just keep on sending them, and we'll answer some more. And uh, joining us today on the redrive is Mr. Don Sherwood out of Tuckahannock, Pennsylvania, if I said that right. An interesting guy. He's had horses for for a long time, and he sat down with us and told him his life story about his time in the Army and serving as a U.S. congressman and showing a Belgian six-horse hitch. Uh, great guy and just a just a great, great time chatting with him. Yeah, not every day you get to... Uh get on the podcast with somebody that's been on air force one yeah for sure yeah, yeah that was uh that was kind of a cool 
cool episode, uh, super guy. And yeah, it, it's kind of neat to hear his story. Definitely served the country in a number of different situations. And you always got to give credit to people like that. Yeah, for sure. That's about all for this time. And thanks. Hey, for thanks. We'll see you guys down the road. Thanks for getting on Tim. Yep. No problem. Thank you. Summit Professional Services, a marketing team that specializes in all things equine. The Summit team is a full-service media and designing firm that offers the absolute top quality and design to the equine industry. The Summit team is excited to announce their new and upcoming website that will allow you to view, purchase, and download photos and videos, all from the tip of your fingers. Interested in promoting your farm or getting an on-farm shoot of your horses or products? Now is the perfect time to do so. Be sure to look them up. They're on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Call Summit Professional Services 260-702-9929 or email them at summitproservices at gmail.com. Once again, their phone number 260-702-9929 or email summitproservices at gmail.com. We're joined today by Mr. Don Sherwood, owner of the Sherwood Belgian Hitch from Tonkanic, Pennsylvania. Don, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, and I appreciate uh, uh, being on. This will be a new experience for me. Yeah, so you're saying Tonkanic, Pennsylvania. That's that's where you were born and raised? You lived there your whole life? Well, yeah, I was... I, Grew up in Nicholson, which is a little town about 13 miles from here. But uh, I've lived in Tunkhannock ever since I got out of the Army. And um, that's a small town. It's on the Susquehanna River, and it's in an area that used to be dairy farms. Um, town's only 2,500 people, but it's a good market area and a very nice part of Pennsylvania. And uh, that's where I've always lived. And uh, uh, Carol and I have raised our three girls, and uh, our home is here. We uh, have a farm, and we look down over the river in town. It, it's a pretty nice deal. Where where would you I'll, be from Harrisburg? Uh, I, I didn't hear you exactly. You said something about <clears throat> Harrisburg? Where Where are you from Harrisburg? Oh, I'm 140 miles uh, northeast of Harrisburg. Uh, it takes us a hard two hours. Uh, you got to get on 81 and pay attention to be to the keystone of the farm show in two hours. But um, it's not uh, it's not terribly far, and there's a good road. And um, we've always shown horses at the Pennsylvania Farm Show for a long time, and at the Keystone. You're, uh, did, did your family have horses growing up or is it just something you kind of latched on and got an interest on as you got out of the army or how did well, it all came about? Of- that's sort of a, an interesting story. Uh, my family did not have horses. Uh, my dad was an automobile guy and, um, he, he thought horses were yesterday's news. Uh, but my mother used to ride. And, um, she, uh, taught my brother and I to ride when we were kids 
but we never had any horses of our own. But I had an uncle who was a farmer, uh, who was a great quarter horse guy and had grown up early enough that they farmed with horses. And so we were having a Easter dinner at my mother's who was sort of old at that time, but still putting on Easter dinners. And, uh, in 1976, the year of the bicentennial. And, um, I said to my uncle Don, let's buy a team of horses and get in some of these parades and stuff. It'd be fun. He said, I know right where there is a pair. I've been looking at them. We went down the next day and bought them. And for $2,000, we bought a, a, a big old pair of geldings with a harness and everything ready to go. And we were in the business. So you're creeping so up on 50 years with horses, with a, with draft horses. Well, 76, yeah. It's uh, 47, 47 years. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And um, my uncle and I had a couple teams. Uh, um, and then we went to Lindsay, Ontario and and went to Keith Hopton's sale. And I, I bought a young stallion and a gelding and. He bought a couple mares, and uh, we started breeding a little bit and uh, just driving a team. We, Don and I never drove anything but a team. But then I got more interested, and um, we started going to the sale in Columbus. Uh, uh, the big sale used to be in Columbus. And um, I bought a pair of Duke State mares, so two different years one each year and um then the next year i went back or i was don went out early and i was flying because i was working for a living at that time it was hard to go to a three-day horse sale and they said pick me out a good gelding don i think we ought to have a a good gelding uh something we can be proud of and when i got there he said well i picked out your gelding but you won't want him. He's the wrong color. And I said, what do you mean? It was a gray purchase. Well, I agreed it was a good gelding and I bought him. And then the next year I um, picked up another gray. And so um, we had a pair of gray geldings that we drove at a couple local shows and stuff that I had a lot of fun with. And this, this gelding prince that I bought at Columbus, Al, he knew a lot more than I did. But he taught me a lot. And um, then my uncle wanted to get out. He was getting old. And so I I had uh, friends, uh, Gary Groves, and that's where the Sherwood Groves comes from. Gary and I were partners for a long time. I bought a Philly at Columbus for a 4-H project for his son. And then when his son went off to Delaware Valley, um, I said to Gary, well, I guess I'll have to sell some horses because Brandon, the kid, was taking care of them. And he said, no, we can do that. So we formed Sherwood Groves, and uh, um, we bought another Perchin, and um, that's why I drive a unicorn. In the old days, we only had three geldings, so I learned to drive three. (laughs) Uh, But I never was much for driving multiple hitches, but I enjoy the unicorn. And um, we bred a couple good horses. Uh, um, we were breeding the Congolese Supreme, and we had a a couple good 
mares. One was the supreme champion at the farm show. And uh, we had basically fun with them. Never did any big showing. We'd show at the farm show and uh, local fair and uh, had a lot of fun with them. But I didn't get serious about the six-horse hitch business until about eight years ago, I guess. Penwood's Equine Products is a family-owned and operated business that strives to support the growth, performance, and longevity of your equine family with our premium nutrition supplements. We make all of our products with locally sourced ingredients right here in the USA, so you can always be sure you're getting the highest quality. We've always been horse people. Our products were developed to take care of our own horses, and we continue to back our supplements with real-world horse owner experience. We're proud of the results, and we love sharing our generations of equine knowledge to help meet all of your horse's needs. We want to get to know you and your horses, and we're here to help with any questions you have. So reach out to us. You're part of the Penwoods family. You can visit us at penwoods.com, email us at info at penwoods.com, or follow us on social media. You said you had some Pertrans early on. Did I hear right? Oh, yeah. I I I had a um, a good pair of Pertrans, uh, gray Pertrans, and, uh, uh, but we got breeding Belgians, so when those guys got old, uh, normally I retire my old geldings, but that was a good pair, and we wanted to be a little more competitive as they got old, so I sold that pair, and we started driving Belgians, and... Um, messed around with them for a while and then uh, I um, was working away for a while and uh, but then about eight years ago uh, I got serious that I thought it'd be fun to have a six and uh, Roger and Linda Toms uh, helped me greatly and got me going on the road to a six and and I showed with them uh, a few years, and now uh, Scott and Whitney Love are doing a great job for me, and we're having fun. And it wouldn't have been uh, possible without my barn manager at home. Laura Reese takes care of all the horses when I'm away and does a whale of a job. And my friend Judd Fitz has always gone to shows with me. Uh, it's, it's a team operation, and Everybody's been very helpful to our operation. Good deal. You got quite a life story. Let's kind of dive back in your teenage years or uh, your earlier years in your life because you joined the Army. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I was. Um, I went to college and uh, was in ROTC and uh, came out with a commission. And uh, I was a lieutenant in the Ordnance Corps. And, uh, most of the time, I was stationed at the Pueblo Army Depot in Pueblo, Colorado. Uh, had a great job. Uh, I was the uh, assistant director for maintenance and had a lot of civilians working for me. It was wonderful experience and uh, for a young man. And um, then we, um, oh, I was, Vietnam was starting up. 
and uh, they needed um, gun ports put in the APCs, the armored personnel carriers over there. So I, I took a bunch of civilian welders to Southern Colorado State College and uh, got them certified and to l- weld ballistic aluminum. And uh, we were all, then I had a, we had a great instructor there. I got in a Bruce Chandler that was the next bull, bull rider. And that's another story for another day. But Bruce and I had a lot of fun. But uh, <laughs> then they never appropriated the damn money for the trip to Nam. And so my time came up and I got out. I did spend a little time in Korea and Japan and, and led a trip of uh, civilians to Panama to uh, calibrate some test equipment. But my time in the Army was, was very beneficial to me. I had wonderful duty, and I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. It was good for me. And when I got out, I came home. I got in the automobile business. So was your dad in the automobile business before? Is that is that was that his yeah, business? Yeah, my dad had a little Chevy Buick dealership in Nicholson. Uh, but when I came home from the army, the dealership in Tunkhannock um, was available, and um, with my dad's help, I ran it for um, a year or so and got approved by Chevrolet to be a dealer. I was the youngest dealer at that time on the east coast and um you know i I wasn't very old i was 20 let's see 26 and it was a little a little dealership uh didn't do too much but procter and gamble had moved in and put up a new plant uh eight miles up the river from us so i sort of grew my dealership with as procter and gamble grew and it worked out well and uh now I've been a Chevrolet dealer for 56 years. Just talk about the expansion of your dealerships. Uh, from my understanding, you have more than just one dealership in Tuscanic. Well, yes. Um, I There was an opportunity uh, not too far from us, and I um, recruited uh, Ernie Degata, who had gotten out of Xerox and had lots of business experience. and um we formed a new dealership in Clark Summit and then one in Music, Pennsylvania, uh, where we had Chevrolet and Buick and Pontiac and GMC. And then when Ernie was a little older than I and when he wanted to get out, we sold those back to General Motors uh, so they could put minority dealers in. And But I always kept my one in Tunkhannock. That was home base for me. And then in, I had a Western Star franchise. I was selling Western Stars out of the Chevy place, and we were just busting at the seams. And so I went to Portland to see Jim Hebe, the um, head of Western Star, to have him give me more territory so I could put up a new building and he didn't want to do that because we were on a two-lane road up here, but uh, he agreed to sell me the the Freightliner Company store in Dunmore, which is a subsidiary of or a suburb of Scranton. So in 2002, uh, Mark Novich and I bought that, and um, that's been a good venture for us. And 
the truck business is fun. Uh, I enjoy the truck business a whole lot. And we have Freightliner and Western Star and Isuzu. Yeah, how many uh, how many dealerships do you have in the area then, Don? You, you still have your well, Chevrolet dealership, obviously. Yeah, I have my then... Chevrolet Buick uh, store. <clears throat> then Brandon Grohl, I have a, a, a minority interest in one where that Brandon Grohl's got in Tawanda. And then I'm the majority stockholder in Sherwood Freightliner, Western Star. So... Uh, you know, it's uh, basically how far, three separate deals. How far is, are they apart? Well, uh, not far. Um, the, the Freightliner and main the main branch of that is in Scranton, which is only 25 miles. And then we have a, a branch that we built not long ago down on Interstate 80 in Drums. And then Brandon's... Uh, operation in Tawanda is about 40 miles but he runs that i don't have to i don't have to get there much and i'm you know my daughters are in the business i have a good general manager in tunkanic and a good general manager in in scranton and um, i work a lot when i'm home but as you can see i'm playing with the horses quite a little bit and uh, don't work as much as i used to which is which is more fun? The truck business. <laughs> no, I mean playing with horses or working. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I guess that I thought you meant the. Well, if you didn't, I like to work, but <laughs> if there's a if there's a show or a horse sale, I'm not working. <laughs> I'm at the show or the horse sale. I mean, <laughs> there's something addictive about this draft horse business, uh, especially as you're <laughs> trying to raise better stuff and, and have a better sex. And of course it's a, you know, I feel I really know what I'm doing in the car and truck business, but hell, I'm, I'm learning every day in the horse business. So in the middle of all that too, uh, is my understanding you were a United States Congressman. Is that correct? Well, yeah. Uh, in 1998, our long-term congressman from northeastern Pennsylvania um, announced he was going to retire, and there were five or six people on the Republican side uh, running for his seat, and we didn't, we, I don't know, I'd never done anything like that before, but I had a couple friends pushing me, and uh, um, we uh, decided to take a shot at it. And Jerry Morgan, uh, my good friend who had some political experience, he he uh, left his job teaching school and and worked with me for the next um, nine years. Really, uh, we worked a year to to um, win our first election. Because we had to beat the governor's son, and uh, well, we won the Republican primary going away. We did a good job there, but then in the general election, we had to beat the governor's son, Governor Casey's son, and and it was everybody thought that he was going to win, and uh, 
it was a little hard to convince people, but we did, and we won a, We beat him very narrowly the first time, and then a little stronger the next time, and then the third time, nobody ran against me. Um, and so I was in Washington for eight years as the congressman representing northeastern Pennsylvania, and I'll tell you, it was a real experience. I took several trips overseas to see the troops, wherever wherever the troops were, I tried to go. And um, it was an experience. Uh, and I think we did some good, uh, but we got along better in those days than they seem to today. The two parties got along better than they seem to today. Five Star Harness, your five-star source for custom-built biothane show harness. Where passion for horses drives innovation and fuels hard work to make your dreams come true. Whether you are training, driving for pleasure, participating in futurities or shows, it is imperative to have quality, comfortable, well-fitted harness that stands up to any curveball that may come your way. Each harness is carefully crafted and both comfort and safety in mind for horse and driver, drawing from personal horse training experience and mentorship from drivers and trainers in the industry. Your horses are your personal stars, and we build harness to reflect that bond. Enhancing your horse is where it's at. Our popular options include Five Star's signature deep curve breastplate to fit young horses featuring lots of adjustment as the horse grows, or if you're starting out and need multiple sizes for different horses without investment in a lot of collars. Also offered are show collars and scotch tops for more traditional look. So whether you are driving a single, a six, an eight, or anything in between, Five Star Harness has got you covered. We love special projects and custom orders, so don't hesitate to call or text 519-323-7008. Once again, the number 519-323-7008. Follow us on Facebook at Five Star Harness to view multiple options. Look for Wilma at some of the upcoming shows and sales. And in the meantime, don't hit the rails. You had me uh, at Republican. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> uh, what was, who was in office as president when you served as congressman? Was that well, Clinton? the first two years I was there, it was Bill Clinton. Right. And then the next six years, it was George W. Bush. And I got to know W. very well. And uh, I didn't always agree with how he ran things administratively, but he was a hell of a guy. I mean, you could sit down. One time we were on the Air Force One going somewhere, and uh, he sent word to come up to his cabin. He said, you want a peanut butter sandwich? You know, I mean, he was just <laughs> as common as could be and uh, a good guy. And you'll notice that when he got out, after eight years, he hasn't said much. And that's sort of the way he is. He, he gave it how while he was there, but he's not trying to push his opinion on everybody. I had a lot of regard for him. Yeah, I bet that would be quite an experience as far as uh, working together and, and just the power around in Washington. I would imagine that would be quite an experience to bring home and implement that in your everyday life, I'm sure. You bet. And, you know, I went up to New York to him to 
after 9-11. And of course, I'd had a daughter who was in New York during 9-11. And I had a, a daughter with me in D.C. when the plane hit the Pentagon and they threw us out of the office. And uh, those were those were interesting times, but uh, um, to be to be up at 9/11 with all the people around and the ruins and the working on, on the, the pit four stories deep, trying to clean up and W talking to everybody and um, you know those are things you won't forget. No, that's pretty cool. I, I always have, uh, I don't know. It's just, you don't realize sometimes you see people, you know, you watch, listen to the political shows, you watch TV and stuff. And uh, you kind of forget sometimes that they're just real people. Like it's real people doing real things. And, uh, well, John Boehner used to say he was a regular guy with an extraordinary job. And, you know, everybody, puts their pants on the same way in the morning. Uh, some people get pretty impressed with themselves, but you're really there to do a job and and uh, try and do what's good for the country. And it worries me a little bit now that um, the R&D situation is so rancorous that we sometimes, uh, I think, forget what the goal ought to be. And... You know, the goal's got to be to make America stronger and more prosperous and take care of our people. And to do that, you got to have your, you got to protect your place in the world. But, uh, you don't, we don't need all this infighting. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well said. Yep. So let's talk, let's get into the horses a little bit there. Um, you said you just used to play. Honest like how many mares a year did you guys breed when you were breeding? How many like how many foals a year would you have had? Well, it's varied, but at one time we'd have five foals. Um, lately, I've just been breeding two mares, uh, but um, and then I had a mare that. I wasn't getting good stuff out of, so I've always been interested in pulling. So I started breeding her to a pulling stud, and I bred her to Shade Rock three or four times and got some offspring. And then, um, oh, I lost one. I sold a couple, and then I raised a couple of um, Shade Rock's son, Roan Rex. I had a, a I have a pair of Roans. Um, that um, we pulled some, and um, that's been fun. But, uh, you know, we bred the, some of the good horses along, uh, J. Lou Supreme and Congolese Supreme, and um, uh, we've had fun raising some foals. S SGF, that, that was your... Uh... Your farm name, right? Yeah, Sherwood yeah. Groves Farm. That yeah, was Gary no, Groves I, and me. Yeah, I've and seen registered that's progeny. Why, yes, we 
we have some stuff out there with SGF. And, uh, you know, I've been a member of the Belgian Association quite a while. My my number, I guess, is 11165. And that's, um, I've had that quite a while, you know. Talk about being Scott's co-pilot in Ohio uh, when he gets a little close to the boards. Oh, <laughs> well, that was exciting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a, uh, that's a, a bad ring design. Uh, the, the, uh, side will bend in, but then when you come to one of those steel girders, something happens, you know, and, uh, <laughs> we were getting a little close and I said, you're in the wall and whoop. <laughs> and, but he's a pretty good water skier. <laughs> um, he went off there and bounced off a wheel horse's butt, landed on his feet, and um, got him stopped. And I was busy getting down off the wagon and figured I couldn't do so I started picking up the pieces, you know. <laughs> but that was exciting. We uh, This draft horse business has been a lot of fun, but uh, Scott and I both would just as soon not do that again. <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding uh shoot so you've been at it a long it, time it was... don this year you finally uh this year you guys kind of pushed a little bit more you qualified for the finals talk about that experience and and was that kind of a goal you set out for and and how did that yes we decided we decided uh that we'd like to try to go to the finals and Scott pushed it and went to a lot of shows, and uh, so we accumulated the points, and uh, going to the finals was a real experience. I mean, and, you know, I had watched the finals before on um, the live stream and stuff, but I had never been to the finals, and so that was a, a real experience for me, and of course, um, uh, was sort of fun. Uh, Brittany Miller drove my good gelding buddy in the ladies' cart and won it. And um, you know, Scott Scott drove the first two nights, and then Daryl Miller drove the third night because Scott's sister was getting married, and they had they had messed up. They hadn't got their date straight, and so Scott came to me and. You know, he was really um, worried about it. He said, you know, I think we're going to get to the finals and my daughter or my sister's getting married and I'm in trouble. Well, Darren's been helping us and and uh, was driving a little bit and he did a good job and that all works out. The Smith family has been in the meat snack business since 1975. There are now four generations of Smiths working with Glenwood Snacks. Glenwood Beef Jerky is made with solid pieces of 100% premium beef and smoked with real wood smoke. Their jerky is in high protein, low in calories, and darn good to eat. Also, look out for new lines of meat sticks. Look for the Double S Belgians, the equine ambassadors of Glenwood Beef Jerky, at a show near you. 
browse our many flavors of 100% beef jerky, signature meat sticks, and snack bundles at glenwoodsnacks.com. Follow on Facebook, Instagram, or by calling 208-624-9851. Orders over $50 ship for free. Glenwood Snacks. Talk a little bit about talk a little bit about your favorite horse. I, I think I know who it is. Talk about your favorite horse and how you acquired him. Well, you know, at the farm here, I have some of my retired friends, and um, I have an unregistered gelding prince that I used in the lead of the unicorn for several years. That that um, I have a real special place for him, and he's got his stall for as long as he can hold out. But my buddy horse is uh, the, my favorite horse, of course, of the of the horses that we're driving the last couple of years. And um, Roger Toms and I went to the little Lake Erie sale um, three or four years ago. Um, at Buster Miller's farm, and um, we went there to look at another gelding that somebody had told Roger about, and, you know, we needed a lead horse, and we were looking for one. Well, we got there, and we saw this buddy horse, and uh, he's great, but his father was Captain Encore, and Buddy's not too big, but he drives big. And uh, when we saw him, um, we quickly decided that uh, the horse we'd come to buy, somebody else could buy, and we were going to try and take Buddy home, and we did. And, you know, he was not expensive by by the yardstick that we're using now. People are paying for geldings, but, but he's been a great, been a great horse, and we we use him in the lead of the six. Uh, we use him in the cart. We use him in the lead of the unicorn. And um, depending, we'll, we'll use him in the lead of the four sometimes, if depending on whether we're overworking him too much or not. And um, he and Hank are my, my team. And um, they can do it if I get them going just right. We've had, we've had, uh, good results for that but um i won the cart class at the national belgian show with buddy and it's it's hard not to be pretty fond of him um if if you don't screw him up he can do it about right what about favorite shows don what's uh some of your favorite shows that you go to oh gosh there are a lot of good shows you know um there are a lot of good shows. Um, I like Grange Fair, of course, close to home. Um, I had never shown personally in Indiana um, myself until this year. And, you know, the National Belgian Show, that was a real experience. Um, the Big E, we've had a lot of fun at the Big E. And, of course, the Keystone. Um, you know, there are lots of good shows around. And uh, we very much appreciate being able to participate. 
Yeah, I remember congratulating you, Don, when you won that cart class at Indiana. And I said, Don, you're a national champion cart driver, and I'll never forget your response. He said, now that's scary. (laughs) 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 That was was great. (laughs) my dad had a saying, and it was, uh, if a blind sow get an acre in once in a while, if she keeps rooting. And uh, that's the way I felt about that. I mean, I was thrilled to win it, but uh, uh, sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug, you know? (laughs) I wish I could be, I wish I could be the windshield more often. (laughs) Well, of course (laughs) we're working on that, but, (laughs) but it's a hard go sometimes. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Good stuff. What's the future look like, Don? You guys going to show a little this winter? Yeah, we're going to Florida. Um, We'll show at the Pennsylvania Farm Show. And that's the only show we go to anymore that isn't a point show. But I've shown at the farm show uh, with the exception of one year that it was out for COVID, I guess I've shown there since about uh, 1988, and um, the first. So you know that's that's a home show, and and we go to that and enjoy it. And I'll tell you, the first time we put a cart in the farm show, it was a youth cart, and Brandon Groves was driving, and. Uh, of course, he had to have an adult with him. So who rode? My mother rode with him because she knew more about it than any of the rest of us. Because she <laughs> uh, <laughs> had she had grown up driving horses, you know. And uh, and she was a lady at the time. I w- I think in her early eighties, but she was, you know, she. She was a very active lady, and she was very glad to hop up there and and uh, keep Brandon straight. Well, she was just like you. You're you're in your you're well, in your early eighties, and you're still very active too. It's impressive. Well, I'm I I ought to be old enough um, to have something uh, a little easier to do than campaign at a six horse hitch. <laughs> Uh, do you still keeps have, you young. Yeah. Do you still have an active role then in all your in your dealerships and stuff, or are you pretty much uh just an advisor well, now? Well, uh that's that's a hard question to answer carefully. In other words, I'm not there on the day to day. I uh, when I'm home, I go in every day. I'm not around too much, but um and I have uh, two daughters in the business that are very sharp, and like I said, two great general managers. And um, but I talk to everybody every day, and even if I'm at a horse show or um, at a, a sale or something, I'll still talk to everybody on the phone. You know, cell phones um, make it a lot easier. To, participate in business when you're not actually there you can chat with your people and discuss stuff and um i'm i'm still pretty involved i mean i can 
if there's something wrong on the monthly financial statement, I'll be I'll be pointing it out to other folks before they figure it out. Usually, but it's it's fun, and um, my daughters are taking a, a more managerial role all the time. My youngest daughter Maria now is um, at Freightliner has been for 20 years. She went back to school and got an MBA and uh, is very capable. And my older daughter. Jesse, who spent 20 years in, or 18 years in New York in the advertising business, uh, she's at Sherwood Chevrolet and uh, very savvy and talented. And so, uh, without without my family and uh, some wonderful long-term employees, um, I couldn't uh, be away with the horses like I am and run the businesses. Uh, but it so far, it's all working out. Very good, Don. You still sound busy and you sound great for the age you got. And I always enjoy visiting with you just because of this conversation here. You got a lot of knowledge and you've done a lot in your life and you got a lot to be proud of. That's for sure. Well, thank you. It's kind of you. Uh, the, The draft horse community is a wonderful bunch of people. I mean, we all compete, but everybody's friends. Uh, everyone will loan somebody a piece of equipment if they're in trouble or help them. Um, it, it's a it's a great group of people, and uh, I feel privileged to be a small part of it. You know. Yeah, you're definitely an asset to the industry, Don, and we appreciate you getting on the podcast here and sharing your story. That's been great. Well, thanks. It was fun. Thanks for getting on, Don, and good luck this winter. All right. Well, we're going to hit it hard. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> there you go. I'll see you in Florida, guys. Yeah, you thanks, bet. Don. You bet. Why not? We would like to thank Ship Shawana Harness and Supply in Ship Shawana, Indiana. Mr. Bob Schrock, if you're looking for products for the show ring or at the farm from A to Z, anything you need, horse nutrition, tack, you name it, make sure you check them out, shipshawanaharness.com, follow them on Facebook, or visit their shop in beautiful Ship Shawana, Amish country, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. till 4 p.m., and Saturday, 8 a.m. till 12 noon. Call Mr. Bob Schrock, 260 7254 for all your draft horse needs. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you drop by a Reinhold Tack and Western Wear mailbag, podcast at naclassicseries.com. Once again, podcast at naclassicseries.com. Any questions or feedback you might have, we would love to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great week, and we'll see you down the road.